everyone. I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight, and we're so glad to have you tuned in to today's program, and hope you'll stay with us for the next 25 or 30 minutes or so of Bible study and fellowship. I've got a musical selection coming your way. And, of course, so we're going to be studying today from the uh, from the Word of God. As a matter of fact, we'll be in Genesis chapter number 42. Now, if you happen to be listening to the program on the official air date, it is Mother's Day. And I'd like to take this opportunity to wish each and every mom out there a blessed Mother's Day. Hope you have a wonderful day all day long. I hope your children and husband rise up and call you blessed today. And uh, I just, uh, I, I'm just so thankful for you and the work you do, often unappreciated work, but nevertheless, the work you do to rear the next generation as we await the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And today I'm going to be sharing with you, well, it's kind of a Mother's Day message, but it's probably more of a parental message, and it's entitled, Do Not Sin against the child and we'll be going to genesis chapter 42 and verse number 22 right now in in just a moment before our musical selection and before we get around to the message though i would like to mention pathway christian academy in goldsboro if you happen to reside in the uh, wayne county area or within commuting distance of uh, of goldsboro we actually have students come coming from several adjacent counties uh and you are interested in an academically sound uh, program in a Christian environment, you'd like to look into it, I want to encourage you to check out the website, pathwayacademy.org. Again, that's pathwayacademy.org. You'll find a lot of information there about the school for your kindergarten four through grade 12 student. If you check that out, you like what you see, you say, gee, I'd like more information about this, then give us a call and we can schedule an appointment for you to uh, discuss uh, your situation, discuss your children, one of our staff members, take a tour of the campus and find out if indeed that might be where the Lord would want you to send your children for the next academic year. I need to mention, we do not have openings in every class. But there are limited availabilities uh, still waiting uh, to be filled. So here again, and some of that can be mentioned to you on the telephone. But anyway, if you will, uh, give us a call or check that website, pathwayacademy.org. Right now, just before the message, do not sin against the child. I've got a musical selection uh, coming your way. This is by the Gaither Vocal Band. This is an old hymn. It's an old standard, and it's called... Yes, I know.
Bibles today. We're going to be on the book of Genesis chapter number 42, please. The book of Genesis chapter 42. And in just a moment, we'll be looking at verse number 22 and some words recorded here in God's holy word from Reuben. You know, it's easy to see how children sin against parents. Oh, we like to think they're our little sweet angels, but we know they are 
sinners, children, and most of us can speak from experience because, of course, we were children and we know how we were. Children can be deceptive. Matter of fact, children can cheat and children can lie. Uh, we operate a Christian academy, and even with Christian students, we know they can cheat and they can lie. They can misbehave. They can bend the rules and break the rules. Yeah, it's pretty easy to see how children can sometimes sin against their parents and against other authorities. But sometimes it is a little more clouded to see how parents might sin against their children. The story of Joseph in the scripture teaches us many valuable lessons. At one point in the story, Reuben rebuked his brothers for their mistreatment of Joseph, and he's looking back 22 years earlier, and he said, Genesis 42, 22, he said this, Spake I not unto you say, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. The concept of sinning against the child should catch our attention, and certainly the attention of every, every parent, every mom and dad. There are many ways parents can be guilty of sinning against their kids. Of course, some are pretty obvious. Abortion is certainly a good modern-day example. It would be hard for any rational person to explain how this is not a sin against another human being when we take their life from them when we kill another human being that's certainly a sinning against the child it's sinning against innocent blood some religious groups refuse medical treatment for their children they believe that going to a doctor manifests a lack of faith in god and uh, you, you know we we look at them and we say okay well that's what they believe that's their business uh, but on some occasions, children have remained sick for years or in some cases have even died because of it. And many would look at that as a form of child abuse. Other parents sin against their children by physically abusing them. From time to time, the newspaper recounts some parent beating his child until the body is bruised and bones are broken. Stories sometimes even of small infants who have been the victim of parents who who mistreat them and mistreat them unmercifully. Sometimes they're even killed. We read these stories from time to time. That certainly is a parent sinning against a child. Sometimes children are used to satisfy the perverted sexual urges of a parent. Sometimes this is done for monetary purposes so the wicked parent can obtain money or other favors. I would like to think that these horrible things that we hear about these horrible things that I have just mentioned would be quite rare among decent people and should be virtually unheard of among Christians. However, there are some forms of sin against children that seem to be commonplace among believers, especially today. Can I mention a few to you on this day we set aside to honor Mother's Day? The first I'd like to mention is what we'll simply call verbal abuse. You can hurt a child in more ways than just striking him. Many a child enters adulthood with a low self-esteem and many mistaken concepts of what it means to be a spouse or a parent or a citizen or even a human being because their parents have verbally abused them as they were growing up. They're emotional cripples who in many cases may never recover. Verbal abuse would also involve letting children hear things they should not hear. 
Of course, what should not be heard in many cases should not have been said in the first place. But all too often, children hear arguments between parents, complaints about institutions or authorities, gripes about other adults or family members, or just plain adult conversations that they shouldn't have been a party to. This is sinful, and this is verbal abuse. When you allow children to hear things, and whether it's from you or from someone else, it may be on television or radio, but you allow them to hear things they should not hear, that is a form of tolerating, allowing, and maybe even encouraging verbal abuse of that child. So the first I mentioned is verbal abuse. The second I'll throw in today is spoiling the child. Spoiling the child. Now, now I, there's many ways that can be done. I, I don't have an exhaustive list here, but I do have a few things, if you would allow me to, I would like to mention. First off, we abuse our children by failing to restrain them. Eli was condemned for his conduct toward his children because he failed to restrain his sons. We can read about that in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 3. God rebuked him and said, you know, you are a leader here in the temple. You're, you're a leader here in the, in the faith, and your kids are committing all kinds of atrocities, and not one time have you gone to them and corrected them or punished them or disciplined them for what they've done. The scriptures command parents to provide discipline for their children. The Proverbs teach this. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. The Bible goes on to say the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. The Bible also says in Proverbs 29, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Children, being a delight to you in your older age has a lot to do with the way you raise them, rear them, train them, discipline them, teach them when they are when they're young. At one time or another, most of us have been around children whose parents did not restrain them. I've seen mothers try to reason with their children into obeying them. This may work on occasion. I'm not saying it never works, but my experience is is rare. They justify this action by saying, I love my kids too much to spank them. In reality, they love themselves too much because they don't want to go to the trouble. They don't want to deal with the repercussions. If such a parent truly loved his kids, he'd, he'd see that by allowing one child to grow up with the character traits he was manifesting was unhealthy, these children grow into undisciplined adults who expect to get their way. Parents who fail to restrain their kids are just looking for the easy way out, and in so doing, they sin against the child. Another way we sin against our ch children and spoil them is by giving them too much. That is especially true in this day and age. Children get so much today, so much, they end up with little appreciation for virtually anything they had. Boy, when I was a kid, most of my toys were so precious to me, I took pretty good care of them, I tell you. I'd like to say I did it all the time. I did not, but many of my toys I cherished for years because I knew they were pretty hard to come by. I also realized my parents or others who gave me those toys often made great sacrifices in order to give them to me. Uh, you, you know, today, oftentimes, parents have to coax the child or bribe the child or threaten the child to even say thank you for a gift. The child is only interested in going on to the next gift, regardless of how much the giver sacrificed to, 
to give them that gift. By giving our kids everything they want, we deprive them of learning to appreciate what they have. We also don't allow them to learn the valuable lesson of working hard to earn what they might want or lessons of creativity to go out and build toys and make toys and find an old nail and a couple of boards and build you something that you can be proud of. Go into your room and color something that you can be proud of. You don't have to have a store-bought toy. We also spoil our child sometimes by teaching them that the world revolves around them. I realize I'm kind of old, but it's interesting that when I was a kid, did, did, did you know uh, the adults ate first at, uh, at big family gatherings? Now, you know, when we were sitting at home, we'd all sit down at the table and eat together. But uh, at family reunions and, and big uh, festivities and stuff, the adults would eat first. You, often it was the men. If there was not room for everyone, the men would eat then the ladies would eat, and then the kids would eat. That, that's just the way it was done. That's the way we expected it to be done. I'm not saying that was the right way or the wrong way. I'm, I'm just saying that shows the culture of the time. Kids would never come up and interrupt two adults talking. You just, you just, you just wouldn't do that. You just wouldn't do that. But some kids are spoiled today because their parents have made them the center of everyone's attention. And often that's because the child demands to be the center of attention and the parent puts up with it. And they grow up thinking that the whole world is there to satisfy their desires. I visited homes sometimes where the adults could not even carry on a conversation because of the constant interruptions and disruptions by the kids. And oftentimes the parents never did anything except saying, you know, let us talk. And the kid just ignored them. They never said, you know, you need to be quiet. You need to go over there and sit down somewhere and be quiet or go to your room and play or whatever, depending on the age of the kid. Instead, the kid controlled the entire situation. The adults couldn't talk. They couldn't do what they wanted to do because the kid was in control. Truly, this generation is not doing a very good job of teaching our kids the respective places of adults and children. As a result, there's little respect shown for the elderly. I've seen, sadly, sometimes in, in, in gatherings where elderly people will come in and some six-year-old kid sitting there in a chair, and he, he doesn't get up to offer his chair to the elderly lady or the elderly, elderly man. They take the best seat in the house. Sometimes without the parent telling the child to get up so the older person can sit down, sometimes the parent just, just sits down and, and doesn't pay any attention to it. I've seen kids get up and change TV channels and things like that to something they wanted to watch. I'm not talking about it at their home. I'm talking about it at someone else's. Moses says in Leviticus 19.32, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, that refers to the gray-headed person, and honor the face of the old man, <laughs> that be me, and fear thy God, I am the Lord, God says, Leviticus 19.32. We're not going to improve our society by disrespecting elderly people and people who are worthy of respect. And certainly when we see kids disrespecting the elderly or other adults, we know something's wrong with our society. We're talking about spoiling children today. How about this? By provoking them to anger. Paul said, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's Ephesians 6, 4. He was saying, Colossians 3, 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. 
Parents who provoke their children to anger sin against their children. Now, by provoking to anger, the Lord did not mean that what we might call that momentary emotional reaction which occurs when a child is being disciplined. Sometimes they are obviously upset over that. But what he's talking about here is what we might call a deep-seated anger and bitterness which builds up in a child throughout the years and the child just gets angrier and angrier. So by the time they become a teenager, they're mad at everybody. We can be guilty of provoking our children to anger by constant fault-finding, unjust comparison with other siblings, and too harsher punishment and inconsistent punishments, and we provoke them to anger. Sometimes we spoil our children by not teaching our kids good work habits. Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. It goes on to say, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, we told you, says, we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. That's uh, Paul's plan for the lazy. He said, if a guy's too lazy to work, I'm assuming this fellow is physically able to work, he shouldn't eat. And that's true for our kids, too. I know, depending on the age of the child, it might be limited what they can do, but they can certainly pick up their dirty clothes, they can clean their room, and as they get older, more and more responsibilities they can have. If my children have not learned good work habits by the time they grow up so that they can provide for themselves, contribute to society, and be the best worker on any job they're assigned, then I have sinned against them. I want my children to be the best workers they can possibly be. They ought to be the best ones on the job. I don't care what their job is. If, if it's manual labor or if it's brain surgery, I want them to do their best and work hard. Another way we sin against the child and is by spoiling him is by not setting a good example before them. Jesus told us in the Word of God that Christians are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. There's no part of the world so precious to a parent as his own children. So our kids should see a good example of what being a Christian is by our own lives. Children are good imitators. We know that. They learn to do as their parents do. And what influence am I going to have on my kids if I curse and drink, if I'm not faithful to church, if I watch things on television I shouldn't watch, if I gossip, if I murmur, if I gripe and complain, what kind of example am I setting before my children? Another way we spoil them is by not teaching them how to be saved. I have a responsibility as a parent to teach my children about God. If my children reach adulthood without knowing what to do to be saved, what it is to be saved, how to be saved, I will have sinned against my children. A parent should also teach his children how to live a life so as to please God. We're talking here about spoiling a child. Another way we spoil our children today is by not teaching them what I'll call the rule of priorities. Jesus says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's Matthew six thirty three. What do we teach our children when we allow them to miss worship for frivolous reasons? Are we guilty of teaching our children that nearly anything in the world takes priority over obeying God? 
God says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He says, God says you're supposed to go to church. So when we allow them to miss church for what we'll call frivolous reasons, I'm not talking about they're sick. I'm talking about for frivolous reasons, we're sinning against our kids. Why would we think they would obey God for something else if we teach them it's okay not to obey Him in this? Our children are a sacred inheritance from the Lord. As with any stewardship, we must be faithful to the Lord with that which has been entrusted to us. And failure to do this will cost us severely and it will also cost our kids in the future. It can have eternal cost, as a matter of fact. A wise man once wrote, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. That's Proverbs 10.1. Proverbs 17.21 says this, He that begetteth a fool doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. Well, we need to guard ourselves from this earthly sorrow. And one of the ways we can do that as a parent is not sinning against the child. Yes, we teach our children not to sin, not to do wrong, to obey God, to do what's right. But it's also important for parents to do likewise. Mother's Day message, do not sin against the child. Well, with that, I want to thank you for tuning in to today's program. If our programs are a blessing to you, of course, we would enjoy hearing from you. We always, we always would. I want to remind you that these programs are available on the Pathlight podcast. If you have a friend, you listen today, you say, you know, I have a friend that, that might get, uh, get something out of this message. It might minister to them. Check out the Pathlight podcast. Not only can you find this program, but an archive of past programs will be there that you can download or, uh, or listen to. You can also check out Facebook. This will be on the Go Mix Christian Radio Facebook site. You can also find it. You can also find it there. Until next time, this is T.D. Worthington saying may God richly bless you as our prayer. Happy Mother's Day to one and all. You have a glorious, wonderful week as you walk with our Lord.